Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. This is the Kane's Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the host of the Kane's Corner Podcast, Adam Gold. Welcome to the Kane's Corner Podcast. Adam Gold will be joined by Alec Campbell and Luke DeCock in just a few minutes. We are brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. Windows, entry doors, storm doors, roofing, siding, gutter helmets, all of that at the aluminumcompany.com. They're on Hamlin Road in Durham. All right, so uh, here's what we're going to do today. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about the season. We'll get into my own thoughts and Luke's and Alex as well about the uh, the season uh, the Hurricanes had. The end, which obviously was not as uh, long as we wanted it to be. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk about the gap closing between the Hurricanes and Boston. Hey, last year in the postseason, the Bruins scored on 7 of 16 power plays. This time, it was 5 of 19. Progress. Hurricanes got beat in four games last year. Five this year. Progress. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just sort of kidding here. I, you know, I don't believe they closed really, really closed the gap with Boston. Uh, and the problem is that I think Carolina was a better team this year. I'm not sure Boston was that much better this year than they were last year. I think Boston was kind of the same. Uh, and that's, by the way, great because Boston was a home ice win away from being a Stanley Cup champion. So uh, I'm not saying in any way Boston isn't as good. Boston is great. Uh, but I didn't think Carolina really closed the gap, even though Carolina was better. Uh, remember, Sebastian Ajo better. Tevo Teravainen better. Andrei Svechnikov better. Martin Natchez here and scoring. Now, granted, there were some things that weren't better this year than last year. Uh, but still, I thought Carolina overall should have been a better team, should have been better against Boston. And maybe, you know, were it for a bounce here or there, maybe they could have been. Uh, but I really think that Boston was the better team. And I don't even think you can debate, uh, even though Carolina was in double overtime of game one and won game two and was the better team in game two, uh, and then had a two-goal lead in game four before falling apart in the third period, and then was the better team for 35 minutes until Boston scored two power play goals late in the second uh, and then didn't cruise, but basically just uh, clamped down in the third, so Carolina really didn't get much of anything. Um, but I thought there was progress this year, and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, the makeup of the team and what they need to do to kind of achieve all their goals. And all their goals are uh, making the playoffs again, being a factor in the playoffs again, and being a legitimate threat to a Stanley Cup. The thing is, going into the uh, the restart, really thought the Hurricanes were going to be great. I thought they were great against the Rangers. And then I think what we really saw is the difference between a team like the Rangers that's top-heavy and probably not the physical team uh, that Carolina will have problems with. Carolina was probably as physical or more against the Rangers 
Uh, but then you get to big boy hockey against the Boston Bruins, and it's a completely different animal. Uh, so uh, we'll be joined in a second by Luke and Alec. And again, I thank you very much uh, all year long for hanging out on the podcast. If you can give us uh, a rating, subscribe to it. It shows up on your phone or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, give us a five car. Give us a review too. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like, what you'd like more of. Some things that we, you know, you think maybe we should try. We did some live versions of this podcast on Facebook that we ultimately posted. Uh, but those were fun uh, during the, uh, the the lead up to the restart. Once we got to the restart, uh, we went back to the morning after podcast basically after every game. So uh, just let us know what you like and what you don't like. Uh, and if it's me that you don't like, let me know. That's fair. I'm not going to stop doing it, but hey, uh, I'm always open to suggestions. I thank you very much. Uh, without further ado, uh, Luke DeCock, Alec Campbell, and me. Talking about the Canes. Luke, as the only person here who's a member of the Pro Hockey Writers Association, which means that Alec and I are really imposters here. Uh, (laughs) As the only person uh, who is a member of that esteemed body, I want to start with the easiest possible question. Uh, Because like a 25,000-foot view of the 2019-2020 season, and we know it's kind of goofy because of the pandemic and all that, but how do you, when you go back and you think about this year, what's, uh, what are your thoughts on the Hurricanes this season? I, you know, I think they're twofold, and I, I think one is probably you know, positive in one sense and the other is negative in, the, in, in another. You know, for a franchise that hadn't made the playoffs in consecutive seasons in 20 years, to put yourself in position, and I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that they were, you know, a playoff team regardless of this format and whatever. I mean, if they, I would say the same thing if they had lost to the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to to do that, to basically go into the season with the expectation that you make the playoffs and make the playoffs is not a small thing. I mean, that is a huge step forward to deal with the expectations that you are going to be a playoff team, and then you know, be a playoff team and, and, and maybe better than, than where they were, uh, in, in March, because I, I did feel like, and maybe it was a passing thing, but in the week leading up to the, to the pause that they had kind of figured out how to play without Hamilton to play without Pesci and had hit their stride a little bit. And then of course everything stops, you know, the, the, the flip side of that is, I think the lessons of the Boston series are the same as they were a year ago from the Capitol series and, and from the Boston series as well, which is they're a team that's built to make the playoffs and not just make the playoffs, but you know, they're a team that's built to put up 9,500, whatever that it's a regular season team. They have a lot of guys who are going to do well in the regular season. And I think they're still missing what the Bruins have, what the Capitals had, and, and last year they were able to take advantage of the Capitals' defense, and, and Peter Morazic played well. Uh, but I felt like they got bodied a little bit by the Capitals, and, and two years in a row I think they've been bodied the Bruins. You know, how close that series was analytically for it to end up the way it was I think is an indication that this team is not particularly prepared or built to play a playoff game. That doesn't mean it can't be. But I think some of the guys they thought were going to do it, whether it's Warren Fogle or Brock McGinn or Nino Niederreiter or whoever, 
Um, you know, I think you've seen enough from those guys to think that maybe it's time to go a different direction. And you look at the players they added last summer or even at the deadline, these were predominantly very skill-focused players. And they've got to find guys like Jordan Martinuk who check their analytical boxes but bring something else too. That right. that to me is the challenge. Uh, you answered too many questions there, but that's fine. That's why <laughs> you're in the Pro Hockey Writers Association. Uh, whatever I just said. Uh, all right, Alec, your view. Do you want to add anything to uh, what Luke had to say? Uh, I mean, I think he's right. Um, I agree with all, basically everything that he said, and I just think that it's important also to hammer home because he brought up making the playoffs for a, a second year in a row, and I. I you know, we talked a lot about this at the beginning of the year that it was kind of as much about validating last season as anything else. I mean, what were we going to say uh, about the team if they didn't make the playoffs this year? Um, so I think that was an important step to kind of ride the momentum that they had built for themselves last year and what was really, you know, a storybook season that didn't end up in a championship. It was, it was kind of a, a, almost as good a season as you could have that doesn't end in a that doesn't end in the championship. So it was really important for them to get back to the playoffs, and they were able to do that. I am encouraged by a lot of the young talent and the young skill that they have on their team. I think when I look back at all the positives, that's probably for me the biggest one. I mean, I always thought that this team was a, a playoff caliber team, but not a Stanley Cup caliber team. Um, and Sebastian Ajo got better this year in terms of his production. Uh, Andre Svechnikov got better this year. Martin Natchez uh, was very good. Dougie Hamilton uh, settled into his role before he got uh, before he got hurt. So I think they're the the core of stars and the people that you need to be, you know, high production players took the next steps with this team but there's still a place for them to go. And when I think about, you know, cause the, the rhetoric around this team so far has been, they, they, they were clearly and definitively, you know, closer in terms of closing the gap with Boston, or whatever, than they were last year. I mean, technically they were one game closer uh, to closing the gap with Boston. They won one more game against them than they did last year. And I know that they went a couple of rounds before they got to Boston last year. Um, but it's very clear that this team needs another element to their game, a more physical element to their game, a more pesky element to their game. And they're not really built for that. And they really haven't been built for that over the course of the last few years. I mean, they brought in, like we said, Michael Furlan last year, but he was, you know, there's not a whole lot of. I mean, he did score a couple of goals early, uh, early yeah. in the season. Early but, last year, yeah, he did. But, but you know, like Luke said, you you have to add to. You have to be a productive player in this age of the NHL too. So that's where they need to focus: is becoming a a, a harder team to play against, a peskier team, a more annoying team. Um, and so, hopefully, they can figure out that direction here in the off season. The two of you. I mean, you stop, uh, stop uh, answering questions. I haven't asked yet. All right. Uh, the, the way I look at it, I think they had a good start, right? They had a very good start to the season. Uh, we we're like, okay, man, they might never lose, especially after a preseason that began with a win, but then kind of fizzled out. 
Uh, but then until like mid-February, they were basically a 500 team. And it was kind of confusing to me with Aho at a point of game, Teravine at just about at a point of game, Svechnikov at a point of game, Hamilton until January uh, in the Norris Trophy dis, uh, discussion. And it was just kind of confusing that Natchez, you know, scoring enough goals, providing you some secondary scoring anyway. Uh, it just was kind of confusing that they weren't better uh, and more consistent. And it was, uh, to me, I thought the regular season until the very end, until Morgan Geeky showed up, and I realized it was just two games, uh, but it started to happen a little bit before then. Um, but I thought the regular season was a little bit disappointing for me because a team that was... In, you know, and I'm not saying that they were one of the four best teams in hockey last year. They obviously were not. Uh, but they had a good playoff run. But the way they played from January 2nd, actually the 31st on, um, they were a top 10 team in the league. Maybe it's no, certainly no worse than a top 12 team in the league. And I had expectations that they were going to be in the mix uh, for the Metro. Now, Philly got better. Um, and we all know, I mean, Pittsburgh hung in there with all their injuries and I'm not, uh, you know, too bent out of shape over what Pittsburgh did in the playoffs, which was nothing for the second straight year. Um, capitals were obviously, you know, they're the capitals. They're, they're built to win. Uh, now they'll get a better coach and they'll be built to win again. Um, but I was disappointed in the regular season. Um, so on top of the fact that, uh, they got really embarrassed by, a mediocre team like the Rangers four times. They got they couldn't handle the Flyers. Flyers turned out to be great, but I mean to almost be non-competitive in many of those games. Uh, was kind of was kind of disappointing for me during the regular season. I did think we started to get back to what they looked were supposed to look like once Justin Williams got acclimated to things. Uh, and I think maybe that maybe his absence was a very big deal over the course of of the season because they had a hard time getting to some sort of consistency over the course of the year. Uh, so I'm kind of, I was kind of disappointed in a lot of the season, especially after a good start, but it did look like a team that, you know, had they continued on, had, had COVID-19 not gotten on the roster, uh, then that, that they might've made a, a pretty nice run through March and maybe even gotten into the top three in the division if, uh, if the format was the same. So I was a little disappointed, uh, but I'm not sure that ultimately the end of it uh, was going to be any different because of a lot of the things you guys have already said. Uh, I, so- you know, Adam, I, I think it's, it's totally fair, and, 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 and I agree. Like on a night-to-night basis, it was disappointing, especially from the baseline of your thinking of them against, you know, whatever the gate, you know, the the the, cat, the good games in the capital series or the Islanders and and you have that in your mind um, you know I think a, there were a couple of things that happened during the season I think Justin Williams not being there mattered to a degree I think the turnover in the off season mattered more than people wanted to acknowledge or yes. maybe realize and it, it you know I think one of the things that I'm this saving team did my well, stuff about uh, the additions for later yes well we won't, <laughs> we won't get into them specifically but. You know, one of the things that they had in the playoffs, and, and even, again, this is last year, even through the first period and change, maybe even two periods against the Bruins in game one, was they had a very specific identity that Rod Burnamore and, and Justin 
Williams had drilled into that team from the summer. And they did not have that identity for most of last season. It took them a long time and really took Justin Williams coming back. And I think there's the correlation and causation. I I don't think correlation implies causation there. I think they were kind of getting there anyway and, and removing the doubt about Justin Williams helped and having him back helped but that you know they were finding their identity, but it took them four months, you know. And right. if, you, if you want to throw a training camp in there, so I think that is fair to be disappointed. But I think in the bigger picture, when you look at this franchise's history and the progression of it, the fact that they could be disappointing, which I agree with you, and not be in ninth, right, is is a massive step forward because traditionally what we've seen from that season is. You know that 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 missed the missed opportunities followed by the ninth place finish. Alec, how many times uh, during the course of the season did we question? All right, they keep saying about their identity, identity. What their identity isn't what the uh, it wasn't the same as a year ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a while there where we were trying to figure out exactly what the identity was. At least the you know I mean, and that's a lot a lot the case early in seasons. But last year they were, you know, much more of a of a four checking team. They at least got to that a lot more last year. Um, I think they had, uh, you know, with Furlan around, and uh, he, he helped that at least early on in the season. Um, but this year they kind of turned more into, you know, a more sort of high flying up and down. Yeah. Uh, you know, pond hockey type team that, that relied a lot on their skilled players and their finesse, despite the fact that they didn't, they didn't really have a, you know, great finishing numbers, but they got a lot of great quality chances. They generated a ton of chances in general. They also gave up a ton as well. So it was kind of an exciting brand of hockey in the sense that we watched a lot of six, five games, five, four games, four, three games. We didn't see tons of workmen like hockey from, uh, from the hurricanes, but yeah, we questioned it for a long time. I think they ended up, they did end up forming an identity in the sense that their trends were uh, that of, and, and I think Rod likes that and encourages the aggressive, you know, offensive style, yeah. but I'm not sure it always played out the way that he envisioned it playing out. We have Alec Campbell and Luke DeCock here. Luke is, of course, a member of the Pro Hockey Riders Association. He's the only one of us that is. Why, why do you keep saying that? Because it's true. I know, but I have been for twenty years, <laughs> and there and there are there are others because it validates this podcast. Come on, Luke. I'm trying to All pump right, up the podcast, Luke. Uh, okay, fine. I, you know, News and Observer sports columnist. I oh, you know what? I could, uh, that's right. That's right. Former editor of the News and Observer. I last uh, time interim, you were on, I interim mentioned interim editor. Interim was, editor. I'm sorry, you did yeah, a great like job, Kirk Mull- like Kirk Muller. Uh, by the way, I'm a big fan of uh, of the new edition, CL Brown. I think you guys are getting. You guys got stronger, so I appreciate uh, that, and it validates my subscription. Um, Good. Well, believe me, we are we are nothing short of thrilled to have CL aboard. No, believe, believe me, it is it is very very welcome to to add someone that good. Oh, he's tremendous. All right, let's uh, since we've already discussed a little bit about Boston, I want to get to closing the gap because there are a couple of things that yes they won a game which they didn't in uh in the 29 the spring of 2019 uh and theoretically in 3 of the 5 games uh it was double overtime in game 1 which Boston was clearly better but at least it was double overtime 
Game two, Carolina was the better team, in my opinion. Certainly the second and third periods I thought were probably their best of the uh, of that series. Maybe game five, but uh, they actually pumped in some goals uh, in the second and third periods. Uh, game four, they had a 2 nothing lead and then just kind of vanished. Uh, so, I mean, I liked the first two periods of that game. The third period, obviously, was trash. Um, and then in game five, they were good until the power play. Boston's power play got to them. Uh, and then Boston went into a shell, and Carolina wasn't good enough and strong enough to break through it. But I didn't think that they closed the gap. Uh, and I think, Luke, you spoke to it at the very beginning of this in that they Boston showed you what playoff hockey is about. Uh, and you have to be hard around the net, and Carolina wasn't really around the net except for game two. Uh, they you know, were pr- I- pretty much on the outside throughout, and Boston's power play dominated again for the second straight year. Uh, and to me, even though 5 of 19 is not quite as good for Boston as 7 of 16, uh, it's still 5 of 19 will win the series if you only score one measly power play goal. Yeah, you know, I was a little surprised by the rhetoric this week from from Brenda Moore and Waddell about how much they've closed the gap. Because I think, you know, all right, so all five games are within a goal in the final minute. And that's true. But... And, and the, you know, so you say, oh, well, you know, the even strength scoring, it's it's 9-8 Boston. That's not a huge gap. Boston's power play won it. When you look at where those goals were scored, and I actually uh, I posted this uh, on Twitter, the, the heat map with the actual goal mm-hmm. locations, mm-hmm. all but one of Boston's goals were scored from the dots down. Yep. And all of Carolina's goal, including one from behind the goal line, you know, all <laughs> the way down from the dots. <laughs> And all and all eight of Carolina's goals were from the dots and out. Yep. So and and uh, it, it, uh, Michael Blake McCurdy, who's a, a, a an analytics guy on Twitter, posted a heat map for the series, which is more of less shots and more uh, you know his sort of expected his own proprietary expected goals type formula. And in front of the Boston net, when the Hurricanes are offense, it's a big blue hole. Mm-hmm. And the way you win those games that are one goal in the final minute is by scoring the goals that Boston scored. And they have guys to do it, you know, and they don't have to be super big stars. Like our right, Jake DeBrusque is good, but he's young. You know, they got mm-hmm. him in the first round, but he's, you know, he's, he's, he's up and coming, but it's, you know, like a, you know, Chris Wagner, like no one's going to grab Chris Wagner and say, I want to build a team around this right. guy. Uh, you know, Charlie Coyle to me, does so much more than a quote unquote third line center does. You know, he, you know, it's just they have guys who play that kind of game. And what that does is it allows their skill, it allows mm-hmm. the Bergeron line, it allows Krejci on the power play, but, but at even strength too, to, to, to do their thing. And that's what the hur- the Hurricanes have that skill. I mean, maybe not Bergeron, Pasternak, Marchand skill, but maybe not that far off. Um, they have that skill, but they need the guys who aren't that skill to bring more to the table. And that circles back, I think, the gap to me between the Bruins and the Hurricanes, the Bruins' defense does a better job of clearing out the net. And that, you know, the front of the net, that's always going to be true because that's not how the Hurricanes' defense is built. You know, they don't have the Brandon Carlos. And they could have had Charlie McAvoy. They took Jake Dean instead. <laughs> they don't, you know, they don't have those guys. And obviously they don't have Achara. Uh so, so their defense is always going to be built differently. I think that's fine. I think that's two tracks that get you to the same place potentially. 
But they've got to have the guys up front who are supposed to be doing that. The guys we mentioned earlier, they've got to, to, to do that. And like when you talk about the third period of, you know, the, the third period collapse, what stands out for me is the guys who you want to go out there and hit somebody were hiding on the bench. Like where was Brock McGinn in that third period? Mm-hmm. Where was Warren Fogle? Warren Fogle right. you, know, wait, you know, Warren Fogle was this accidental instigator against the Capitals and was miserable. He doesn't yeah. like that role. Well, I got news for you, Warren. If you're not scoring 20 goals, that's the role that's going to keep you in the league. And that's how he's going to score 20 goals, by the well, way. And the, all right, so yeah, so and that too. Like You're going to be successful, more successful when you're playing that game. If you don't want to play it, you know, the Sabres have a lot of players like you. You're mm-hmm. going to fit in just great up there. <laughs> no, I'm uh, 100% uh, with you. Alec, you want to add to that? Well, I mean, I think there are a lot of players that probably there are, uh, you know, I that need to embrace that role a little bit more and learn to enjoy being agitators out there. And which kind of gets to, I think, what most of us are saying about the element of this team that needs to be, uh, you know, brought in or embraced. I mean, Hayden Fleury looked like the the light sort of came on for him at least uh, in the playoffs there, in terms of a, a physical game. Mm-hmm. So hopefully more guys could do that. But it just I, I you know I just go back to what he was saying about the goal scoring and the goaltending uh, because I didn't think any of the goaltenders in either of the series that the Hurricanes played against were good, whether that be the Rangers or Boston. I didn't think that they were that great. I mean, I think about the game where uh, Jordan Martinook scored on the rush from above the left dot that, uh, that, that beat, uh, I think at that point, I think that was game four, that right? Game when, when he did or game two. That when was the, the, Hurricanes, was the second game, yeah. The Hurricanes got like two or three goals in that game that were just not good goals. You know, we would be crushing Peter Morozik or James Reimer for giving up those goals uh, if it were the other way around. Um, so I think that, that was, was on Tukarask. That sent Tukarask uh, out of the bubble. I mean, he might that, not have been in, involved, you know, into it anyway. So, I mean, that was a huge. That was a huge story for me. Probably the biggest story outside of the the lack of a of a physical game that seems to rear its ugly head in the playoffs more than anywhere uh, is just the, the Hurricanes' inability to penetrate uh, Boston's defense. Um, and, and then of course, Boston's power play. But I mean, we talk about, you know, the, the team they beat in Washington last year. And I mean, that's a team I feel pretty good about the hurricanes playing is the Washington capitals. Although they do have more of a, of a thump factor than the hurricanes do. But, uh, Boston was just so good at just sitting in the defensive zone, blocking tons of shots, not allowing anyone to get between the dots that it just didn't. It, it did not suit what the Hurricanes do well. Uh, so it, it, it was a struggle. It was a struggle. Luke, the way I looked at this series, the more you watch the Boston Bruins, the more you realize is that they've got, the, they've got that grind factor that every team wants, especially in the playoffs. Uh, and they get the grind factor really from the top line too because Brad Marchand is just – I mean, that's that's what he was, and he developed into a super great, you know, skill player to go along with all the pest, uh, you know, the the pesty things that he does. But he's a phenomenal player and a great passer and all that. Um, but what stuck out to me is that 
the advantage that Carolina had and why they're probably a good matchup against Washington is that they could make it a speed game and Washington has a hard time keeping up. But Boston is just as fast as Carolina, and they're just as fast on the back end. So they don't even have to use their top defensive pairing against Ajo, Teravine, and Svechnikov, and that was their plan not to do that. They were going to use Tori Krug because he's a great skid. They didn't need a physical presence right. against the Ajo, Teravine, and Svechnikov line. Yeah, I think the thing that gets lost a little bit in this, too, is you know we've been ranting and raving like Brian Burke about truculence for this entire podcast <laughs> is you, know, you, you don't start there. Right. Like, like you don't start with by, by saying, OK, we're going to build a team to compete in the playoffs. So we're going to start by having, you know, a bunch of guys on the third line who can get to the net. Like you need the skill first sure. and that like don't we people shouldn't overlook that. I don't think they are, you know, that you have to you need you need, like Boston, like they've got a ton of skill and it's not just yeah. Krug and, and Marshawn like Krejci was unbelievable in that yeah. series. I thought he was the best and, player in the series. I, yeah, I agree completely. And there's other guys too. So, you know, you have to start there. And that, that I think is the big accomplishment for the Hurricanes is they've gotten to a point now where a guy like Martin Natchez, who's very skilled, you know, really has to earn his spot and, and has earned a third line spot, generally speaking. Um, but that's good. You know, you want those guys to have to earn that. You don't want to be handing guys stuff uh, the way that, you know, uh, you know, a, a Ryan Murphy was handed a roster spot at 19. And obviously, we know how that worked out. <laughs> you know, you you want you, you need that. That's important. That's a sign of a good franchise. But once you do have that foundation, you know, then you have to ask. I, you know, now that we've got you know maybe a little skill to spare, maybe a little excess, um, are there areas in which we're too much of a finesse team? You know, I think the other thing we haven't spent any time talking about, uh, but but I think bears some examination is you know i thought peter morazic was was fine in the playoffs i don't think he was as good as he was against the capitals last year uh i thought reimer you know obviously had his moments but played a, a pretty important role in in the collapse uh with 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 some dis- some poor decisions and then obviously peter's goal from behind the goal line is is nightmare yeah. fuel stuff you know, I, I do think even though both guys are under contract for next year, if you want, you talk about the Hurricanes being less disappointing in the regular season and being a tougher out in the playoffs. I do think it bears some examination. You know, especially with the number of goalies on the free agent market this summer. Do you do you like one of those guys better? Can you get them to sign? Uh, and, and and do can you make a move to free up some space? And something I think all three of us agree on. Uh, at some point, Ned needs a shot. Yes. Like at some point you got to see what you have with Ned and I don't, they haven't done that yet. You know, the clock is ticking a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I would like to see him get a chance to play, you know, a good solid 12, 15 games and just see, see what, what they've got with him, you know, and then Forsberg, some people really like too. So you've got a bit of a log jam there. I do think whatever they end up doing, they, they need to change something up, whether it's Morazic or Reimer and I, not nothing against either guy, but I think, you kind of know what you got there and it's not quite good enough. So if you're serious about getting better, you're, you're, you're better off rolling, keeping one of those guys and, and rolling the dice uh, on a change with the other. It doesn't really matter to me which direction they, they go with that. I don't really have a preference or an opinion on it, but I do think that's an area where status quo could hurt them if they come back like that. For the, um, for the record, I didn't think their goaltending was in. If I was making a list of reasons they didn't beat Boston, 
uh, goaltending to me wouldn't. I mean, yes, Reimer should made a mistake. He should not well, have gone after the puck against DeBrusque. And yes, Mrazek was uh, already in the locker room uh, when Bergeron scored from behind, from behind the yeah, goal let, line. Let me just say one one real quick thing about that because I, I I don't disagree with you. The I think my the the point is, and it's one I made in writing. I'll, I'll be very brief with this. To beat a better team, I think we'd all agree the Bruins at this point in this window are a better team. Yep. You've got to have some lever. Like last year against the Capitals, who I think were a better team, the Hurricanes had Morazic, who I thought played extremely well in the games they won. And they didn't just win the, the Hurricanes didn't hadn't just won the Stanley Cup and weren't dead tired and at times uninterested. Um, that those were the advantages the Hurricanes had, and they had none against Boston. Whether it's your power play or an unstoppable top line or a, a, a deep pair that nobody can get through or a goaltender who is as hot as Reimer was against the Rangers in game three of that series. Yeah. You have to have one thing that's better than the other team. And the Hurricanes against the Bruins just don't have that. No, they, and they, they certainly so. didn't. Um, and they, they should have with goaltending once Rask was out. And they never tested Halak enough to make that. Yeah, Sorry, that was my that was my brief answer. They didn't. Uh, they didn't. Cer- certainly didn't test him from inside. All right, Alec. We've already kind of broached the subject because um, we talked about the skill. I mean, it's, it's a relatively redundant. There's a lot of redundancy. I mean, even on the blue line, uh, there's there's a lot of finesse on the mm-hmm. blue line. I once I'm, I did a podcast with Brett Pesci. This is uh, right after everything was shut down. Brett was home in Tarrytown. Uh, and I point blank asked him, how are you good without being, and I cleaned it up, without being a jerk? Um, because Pesci's not a jerk, even on the ice, not really a jerk. He's just good. Same thing with Slaven. Good without being a jerk. Chara's got jerk in him. You know, these guys, McAvoy's an ass. Uh, these guys are good players. Uh, so are, are, they, are they too redundant? Is there too much of the same with this group? Um, I mean, maybe a little bit. I mean, I, I think the from the same standpoint is that there aren't really many jerks on this team. If there was, if there was one guy on the blue line that I think had what you are kind of looking for, it's sort of Joel Edmondson. But but in terms of Jacob Slavin and Dougie Hamilton and Brett Pesci, I mean, I don't look at those guys as like just overly pesky guys. I look at least it's Slavin and, and Pesci just as very technically refined players that get the job done more often than not without being a jerk, as you put it. Uh, so I don't think there's really anything wrong with that necessarily, but I do think like Edmondson, I'd be cool with if they, you know, decided to try to figure that out with him. Cause I think he brings an element that's not there. Um, and you know, if Hayden Fleury can continue to keep that same energy as the came, as, as the kids say, yeah. then maybe there's something there in terms of a guy who can, uh, bring a little bit more of a, of a physicality to the game. I'm not, you know, I, I'll be curious to see if he really can, uh, hold that over, assuming of course the hurricanes get a deal done with him. Um, I know, uh, it, 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 uh, does he, what do you have like a year left maybe, or is he a restricted free agent? Who, this Flurry? I, yeah. I can't remember. Flurry is a restricted free agent. So they'll, I mean, yeah. I, signing Hayden Flurry shouldn't be that big of a, uh, that big should, of an issue. Should, 
shouldn't be a hurdle, but I mean, I, uh, I, I leave it out there just, just in case. Here's your contract, uh, but, son. So to be, so to be, I'll be curious to see if he can hold that over. Although Flurry, you know, he's not. I mean, he, I'm, I'm not sure he necessarily has the temperament uh, to to continue to be, you know, sort of the, the mean guy on the blue line. I know that was something he wanted to work on this season. I mean, I think, um, but, I think counting on players like Hayden Flurry to turn into the mean guy on the blue right. line is what got this franchise into this position <laughs> yeah. in the first yeah, place. You're, you're probably right. You're probably right. Uh, so, I mean, like, you know, I, 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 I don't know. Is there a redundancy in terms of like the offensive ability? Is there a redundancy in terms of the lack of physicality? Um, I don't know. I, I, I think they're, I think they're a good blue line. Uh, but I think there's, again, I think there still needs to be just an overall, uh, sort of meanness that comes with them along with everybody else. I don't know that it necessarily needs to come from the defense. Like, I, I, the defense is a very modern defense. What they're missing to me, but anywhere on the roster, is that Scott Walker factor, uh-huh. that loose cannon that the other team has to worry about. Doesn't have to be, you know, dirty. Doesn't even right. have to be that physical. It's that loose cannon. You don't know what he's going to do. Where is that guy on the ice? And, and again, doesn't have to be a dirty guy. But Scott Walker had that. Like mm-hmm. you never knew where he was coming from. And that, that was a good thing. He was, he was, he was uncaged in that way. They don't have anyone like that. I mean, Jordan Martin played very well in the postseason, and I like him in short spurts uh, playing with the Finns. And I actually thought it was a, uh, it was a good combination uh, when they took Andrei Svechnikov off of that line. And of course we're talking about this and Svech didn't play uh, in the last, uh, in the last couple of games. And obviously they miss, uh, they miss Andre when he's not on the ice. Um, but just looking at the roster, like I'm, I, I don't want to spend too much time on this because there's more as we try to build out what we want this team to look like going forward to be better in the playoffs. Uh, as much as I really like as a human being, Ryan Dezingle, um, I don't think Ryan's a good fit for this team unless he's playing in your top six because um, he doesn't have a lot. He's a, he's a perimeter guy. Uh, he's three-point shooting on a team that doesn't need three-point shooting. Um, you know, Vinny, Vinny Trocek, to me, is a third center, not a second center. Um, and they need somebody behind Ajo who's going to play a physical, gritty, uh, pesky offensive game. You know, I keep, I keep bringing up Nassim Kadri. Uh, and, by the way, notwithstanding what Dallas is doing to Toronto, to, uh, to Colorado right now is just... Uh, it's mind blowing. What? Where did that come from with the uh, with the Dallas Stars? Um, but Kadri was the perfect guy to slot behind Aho because he's an. At- you talk about a wild card. You have no idea what Nazem Kadri is going to do, but he's a really good player, uh, and that's the kind of element I would love to see this team have as a second center behind Aho because he's completely different than Aho. I agree. I mean, I, I think that could fit in any number of ways. And when we talk about redundancies, I think you get to a point where, you know, you've got the Zingle, you've got Natchez, you've got Trochik, you've got these skilled guys, and you've got to figure out which ones you want to build around and which ones you don't. I, I think that was the mistake they made last summer. Again, nothing against Ryan Zingle. No. I think it can help, help you in a lot of ways. 26 goals scored two years in a row. Yeah, no, I it really it's 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 not a reflection on him at all, and it, you know it's a, it's a reflection of the makeup of this team, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the, 
they, they looked at that Boston series and they decided that the guys who can help us are, you know, Ryan Zingle and, and, and Jake Gardner. Right. And, you know, I think Joel, Joel Edmondson's obviously a deception. Uh, and then at the trade deadline, you know, Trocek and Shea and Batman and, and obviously Brady Shea in the Rangers series, you know, was, was great. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think, you know, next year, you know, a, a Shea and Pesci pairing has the potential to be uh, unbelievable uh, right. in its sort of versatility. And I mean, that's a that gives you really a, a top four that you can play against anybody. And I think makes them a much stronger team. But still, you know, I, it, it, they were not additions that addressed the need to me. They gave them, you know, to use the word redundancy, it was a lot of more of the same. Yeah. And there's a, a certain point you can only fit so many of those guys on the ice. Now, that's fine. You kind of make that assessment now, and maybe there's a winnowing process. Um, but but I, I do think this is a, a big question for Tom Dundon. It's a question for Eric Tulski. It's a question how much influence Rod Brindamore has in that process because they can't make that same mistake again and bring in two skilled forwards and a you know a, a, a skilled non-contact defenseman and, and, and think they're going to be okay. Gardner, you know, has got another three years left. Um, so does uh, so does Shea, although Shea obviously is a better better player. Yeah, no, I'm fine players. with Shea. I mean, Jake Gardner, three or years for a, for a third-pairing defenseman is yeah. a lot. And so you, you made those moves deliberately and, and with forethought. Uh, and, and now, you know, I, I don't know that they necessarily addressed what needed to be addressed. All right, final uh, final thing, and I want to get back to uh, we'll we'll close on goaltending. The of the free agent goaltenders, I mean, Robin Lehner's probably the best one. If I'm Vegas, I'm probably going to try and figure out a way to keep him, since uh, I believe the Twitter told me that Mark Andre Fleury was stabbed in the back. Uh, terrible, a, Ter- a, terrible injury with a big right with a big sword. <laughs> By the way, the Can't notion the, the the notion that Flurry didn't know about it or okay it or simply go yeah that's fine uh, is laughable to me. There's no question he did, and because he could have said he didn't at the press conference and he chose not to. Um, but other than that, I'm not sure there's anybody out there that I would definitely want. Um, but I agree with you, Luke. Uh, it's time to see if Ned can at least play, you know, fifteen to twenty games as a backup. I mean, we we they, he's got an, an NHL contract for next year, uh, so you might as well use it. As for uh, Morazic or Reimer, I mean, if you sign a free agent, you probably got to move on from both. That's going to be yeah, tough if, to do. If if you're if you're covering out space for Ned, yeah, and you know, I think everyone really likes James Reimer. Um, but clearly, based on the playoffs and what we knew going to the playoffs and the way Reimer went into the break and the reports out of training camp, Rod Brindamore has more confidence in Peter Morazic. Yeah. Uh, that's obvious at this point. And I think that's because Morazic's ceiling is higher. Mm-hmm. You know, at his best, Peter's going to be better. Uh, but, you know, I, you know, to the extent that you, you want to roll the dice on Laner, which I'm not sure it's rolling the dice at this point. I think he's established that he can that he's the goalie he people thought he once was, and he's put his personal issues behind him. You know, the other options get thin pretty pretty early. I mean, the only two I would even consider at this point, you know, I, I Jacob Markstrom, I, I did like, you know, some of this. If he ends up on the market, um, I, I was more impressed with him 
lately than I have been over the course of his career. And then, you know, is, is the, is the Matt Murray lottery ticket something that, that Please. this franchise should get involved in? Mm. No, um, <laughs> that's, that, that's, I mean, I, 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 my suspicion is he's going to come cheap enough um, in the end, especially if, if, if Pittsburgh lets him walk. Uh, but, but, you know, the, they're, they're, you're right. Other than Laner, there aren't names out there that make you want to do something. I want no part of Braden Holtby. No, oh, God, no. Nobody wants any part of no Braden part Holtby. of Braden uh, Braden Holtby. Uh, Luke Decock, News and Observer columnist, uh, hockey writer extraordinaire, cover of coverer of all things, including soccer. Uh, I appreciate your time. You do you cover everything? I mean that. That's that's how it works. He's a columnist. He's a columnist. That is true. Alex Alex got it. Uh, Yes, (laughs) and uh, Alec is my friend, and Alec uh, is the host of Stormwatch and Aftermath. And uh, you follow Luke on Twitter at Luke DeCock. You can follow Alec on Twitter at Alec Campbell Five, and you can find me somewhere on there uh, as well. I thank you very much, both of you. You're you're both gentlemen, uh, whether uh, whether you think so or not. No problem. Thank right, now, you, th- thank you. I think now, yes, uh, we're we're going to get out and compress a golf ball, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now that Working you can compress it. a golf ball, Luke, we're going to get out there and do that. You love that. You love that phrasing. <laughs> it's a great phrase. If you can compress a ball, you can make it do what you want it to do. Every day, every 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 day's every day, just trying to make a little progress. It's those it's those of us that can no longer compress a golf ball that uh, are just happy to be out there in the company of others. Just trying to just trying to activate our glutes like Tiger. <laughs> All right, so there you have it. The uh, the Canes Corner podcast. We're going to get into more of a roster breakdown next time. Uh, I thank Alec Campbell. I thank Luke DeCock. Uh, It's all brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company, uh, aluminumcompany.com. Gutters, roofing, shingles, siding, everything. If Again, if it's on the outside of your house, it's at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. Uh, Do yourself a favor. Do me a favor. Uh, Subscribe to the Cane's Corner podcast. If I said morning after, I apologize. It's no longer the morning after we're recording this in the evening. Uh, but uh, I thank you very much for subscribing to it and enjoying it. If you haven't given us a rating, do that. Give us five stars because it's worth it, not because I asked you to. Uh, and if it's not worth it, don't give us a rating at all. So five stars are nothing. Five stars are bust. Uh, again, thanks to Luke and thanks to Alec. And I am Adam Gold. This is the Canes Corner Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sports Fan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Canes Corner Podcast. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.